We were spending a week with my son who was moving back from Australia. So you have four little boys. And um, I spent a lot of time thinking about fatherhood during that and even in preparing for going. And I want to share some thoughts on that. Um, if, if you were to imagine yourself right now just standing and God was standing right in front of you, and you were to look up, what are your immediate thoughts as to what you would see in regard to the face of God? It says a lot about what our impression of him is. It says a lot about how we feel about ourselves, right? I mean, if you're, um, if you're thinking that maybe you aren't living up to what you're supposed to, there can be a thing like with kids where you almost have to force that face up to look them in the face, right? And it's not so that you can tell them you've been bad, but it's just like we need to reconnect. And there are times when we would, you know, if our impression was that um, dad's angry all the time, we don't necessarily want to see his face. You know, or if... You know, you're thinking, um, he'll just put me to work if, he, if I give him my attention. Then that has another form of things, right? And, you know, our earthly fathers do their best, but they don't always get it right. Trust me on this one. <laughs> but... When we consider God, we have the right to think of him as a perfect father. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, for me, over the last week, I'm, I'm watching my son, but I'm really watching my grandchildren and saying, did the values that I tried to pass on to my son, are they being placed into his children's life? Because a mark of parenting more than what you do with your own kids is how well it affects that next generation. Is it, is it making the transfer, so to speak? And, and so, you know, I'm all eyes in that situation. But what I want to note is I'm going <laughs> to use Ephesians loosely as my text. But when Paul's giving his greeting, even in the second verse, he says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're so used to reading passages like this, we think, well, yeah, of course, God's our Father. It's not all that common in the Old Testament. There was a, a bridge being made through Jesus. When Jesus says, when you pray, pray our Father, he is bringing them into another understanding of relationship. Um. Some years ago, I worked for a, a company in construction that was a family-owned business, and there were three or four family members as a part of the company, and then there were probably six or seven or more of us who were, uh, weren't family members. And there were two tears, very certainly. You know, it, it, I would tell you plainly that my work was as good as anyone's, but I did not enter the upper tier. You know, as far as 
how the company was run, those considered first were family. In some ways, what Jesus was doing for us is saying, you're not just employees, you're not just servants. You're being brought into that upper tier when you enter into relationship through Jesus Christ. That's a wonderful understanding. And that's something that the New Testament writers and believers caught a hold of. And it, it's a very important then that we take that, but we also acknowledge that he's perfect in what he does. For me to try to look and just imagine the face of God, um, sometimes now, it's not always been, but sometimes now it's even laughing with them. Is your God capable of laughing with you? Enjoying life? Sometimes that look is penetrating where it sees everything about you, but is not a, uh, you got to fix this moment, but rather just an understanding. You know, move, you know, tweaking that into something of health. At times, you know, we, you know, for me, I truly believe I had a good father. And I knew that he loved me, no question. So I've always kind of approached this as, well, yeah, I'm grateful for the example I had. But later on, you have to deal with things like, yeah, he had a pretty explosive temper. It's just a reality. But how did that affect even that image? You know, and, and to hone that and to say, okay, Perfect. What does that mean in regard to, to fatherhood? But then also looking and saying, okay, how can I up my game? Or am I just, you know, am I looking up at him and, and he's distracted, doesn't have time? You know, what are we passing on? Those are the questions. So, I'll read just a few. There's only a few verses in the Old Testament that refer to him as father. Um, usually you see God of our fathers, and you see the mighty God, but to be brought into that next tier, so to speak, of family, it's not a common concept in the Old Testament. In Psalm 89, David's talking about the Messiah in his writing, but it also kind of with David, there's a, a strange blending where David is seen as like the first, but he's also, there's, it, it slips into prophecy so seamlessly that you're not sure who's getting, who's being talked about in the moment. It says, he will call out to me, you are my father, my God, and the protector who delivers me. And then it goes on to say, I will appoint him to be my firstborn son most exalted of earth's kings. And there's a prophetic bent there referring to Jesus. But it's also got David attached, and you can sort it out and then come tell me how that works. 
Um, he says, I'll always extend my loyal love to him, and my covenant with him will be, is secure. I'll give him an eternal dynasty, make his throne as enduring as the skies above. Psalm 68, he is a father to the fatherless. So again, there's that idea is presented. Isaiah, remember this at Christmas time, for unto us a child is born. And it goes on, uh, amazing advisor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Again, just uh, in a prophetic passage, there's this hint of what's going to be. Malachi asked the question, don't we all have one father? Did not one God create us? It's interesting, in the New Testament, when Paul goes into Athens, he's talking to a secular group of people, and people who are unfamiliar with the Old Testament or at least don't care about it. And he pulls out one of the secular poets, and he goes, "Um, doesn't he say that we're all his offspring? He's starting to, to bring an understanding of who God is, And he says, one of the secular writers got it right. We're offspring of the Lord. John gathers this together and and in his gospel begins to declare, those who believe in his name, he has given the right to become God's children. What an incredible idea that they're taking and saying, we have this privilege of being called the children of God. Galatians, when the appropriate time came, God sent out of his son, born of a woman, born of the law, to redeem those who under the law so that we might be adopted as sons with full rights. So this children of God idea is being given to us through Jesus. And he sent the spirit of the son into our hearts. So he says that what Jesus had is becoming a part of us. And he says, we, we can call out Daddy, Abba, Father. So the New Testament believers were, were hanging on to something that the understanding of God had been there for centuries, but the idea of closeness and personal relationship and one who's invested in us at a measure that others aren't, is this declaration that God has that for us. Truthfully, you may love other kids, but you really love your own kids. And you want the best for them. That's the reality of life. You can, (laughs) at times you can say, I'm so tired of these kids. And yet, somehow your own kids, you're kind of going, I'm tired, but I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Other people's kids, take them home, <laughs> right? Get them out of my sight. But for your own kids, there's something different. And we are being told in the Scripture that we have the privilege of being brought into that level of relationship. Let's go back to Ephesians. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us. For he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. 
He's saying that in Christ or through Christ, there's an opportunity for offense or anything that's separated us to be taken away that we might enter into the closeness of relationship that family has. What an honor that is. That we don't have to look with just blame and offense, but actually that can be washed away at a level that allows us to interact face-to-face. He did this by predestining us to adoption as his legal heirs. So they're taking it on and just saying, you have the legal rights of children now in God. You, it's like you've been brought into the family and given a name. You've, you have been wandering on your own, but through Christ, you have been embraced as a family member. When you think about it, that a child that's adopted is brought in and they're provided for, they're protected, they're trained, you know, everything that goes with family. And he says, that's what you're being brought into. Even this whole thing of, of legacy, there's a proverb in chapter, Proverbs 13, verse 22. It makes this declaration, it says, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And I would suggest to you that that might be partially money, but it's a bigger thing. That legacy includes who you are and the, the principles of life that you've embraced and, and brought into those lives. And, and so, you know, if it's done right, it goes on, continues. We're brought into the legacy of God and everything that he holds we become like him. In that adoption, he not only provides, he not only protects, but he brings us into his legacy. And we begin to be like him and see things as he sees them. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our offenses, according to the riches of his grace he lavished on us. He did this when he revealed to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ toward the administration of the fullness of times to head up all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. And to me, that speech gets kind of muddled. But what I draw from it, it is that there is a day coming when heaven and earth are going to function together in a harmony and unity that we don't see right now. And we get to participate in that. That's our inheritance. That since we have entered into the family, that we get to look forward to that day when everything is set in order. We are going to have the privilege of participating when heaven and earth are functioning in unity. In Christ, we've been claimed as God's possession. We're predestined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to set our hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. It just says we've been brought into something amazing, right? 
And when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed in Christ, you are marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, who is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. So as it said earlier in this, the spirit that Jesus had, the spirit that was upon him, is being put into your life as well. And there's an opportunity for you to cherish that, grow in it, and develop, in a sense, as a family member. And so, in that sense, you know, when we we talk about the Spirit living in us, it's the Spirit that trains us like a parent trains his children. It's the Spirit that looks over us and provides for us in a way that a parent provides for his child. It's a spirit that protects and guides our paths in a way that a parent does for their children. It's a spirit that gives us that hope of the eternal knowing that just as we sense him with us now, there is a coming day when all things are in order, both what's inside and what's external. What an incredible thing. Whether your experiences in family life were good or not, (laughs) there's an opportunity for health now. And there's an opportunity even in parenting to say, I didn't get much training, but God, you're going to have to teach me so that the legacy that goes on is healthy in you. And that's the privilege that we have. And there's a right for us to say, I have been brought into relationship where I can look him in the face and he will look back at me. He's not going to be distracted. I don't have to assume that he's angry. I can assume that he sees every facet of my life and he understands And he's rooting for me in a way that no one else will. Chew on that for a while, and it'll change the way you think. It'll change the way that you perceive your relationship with God. And yet it's the opportunity that all of us have. Father, I pray that each one here would be able to say that I'm at peace with my Father, that I have the awareness that he loves me, and that he's rooting for me to do, to exceed and excel as a mark of his name on my life. I pray, Lord, for each of us that we would see you as the perfect Father, and revel in the joy that's been brought to us with that. Amen. I'd like to pray for God's blessing upon you. What a privilege it is to know him. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. 
May they discover with joy what it is to be family with you. I ask as each one goes into the community that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day.